Fort Charlotte is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at QueenCityPodcastNetwork.com. Welcome to Sports Charlotte, the podcast about sports in Charlotte. I am your host, Ashley Mahoney, and joining me today is returning guest, Brandon Miller. Brandon, welcome back. Thanks for having me. Really excited to, to join again and talk a little bit of soccer. Absolutely. And heck, you know, we were just talking about it. It's December. It seems like, you know, we've done so many of these between you know, all of the weeks of 2020 and everything that they've encompassed. But a lot has happened this year. And like we were talking about earlier, it's not over yet. I mean, more is still to come. But tell me a bit about, you know, everything that is going on for you. You've been very busy on and off the field and now in this off-season phase of waiting for USL championship play to kick off in 2021, which of course we don't know when that will be. But tell, tell me a bit about what's going on with you. Uh, I mean, for me right now, it's mainly just focused on everything off the field. Um, building my brand, expanding that. So uh, that takes up a lot of my time right now. Uh, and I'm still doing a lot of work with Heels Charlotte. We've got a number of uh, fundraising initiatives going on right now with a couple of different businesses locally and events going on. And uh, we're still doing a lot of work behind the scenes with the Black Players Alliance uh, to get things going for 2021. So there's a lot of a lot of things in the works, a lot of exciting things going on. Uh, so I've been pretty busy. And before we dive into everything focused on the Black Players Alliance, let's talk a little bit about you. For those who are joining us for the first time, and hopefully, I mean, they must be living under a rock if they aren't aware of all the work that you've been doing with Heal Charlotte over the last several months. But for those who aren't familiar, throughout the course of the condensed USL championship regular season, every match that was played, there was a fundraising a system set up where you personally donated funds from, you know, clean sheets from, you know, as a goalkeeper, it's always great to get a clean sheet. But of course, you know, it's even better when keeping a clean sheet amounted to X amount of dollars going towards Seal Charlotte and the work that they're doing to help people in the city dealing with housing insecurity. But also there, there are so many layers to that. So talk to me a bit about, you know, what that partnership looks like and also i've got some questions about prime focus goalkeeping you mentioned your brand we've got to pepper you with some questions about that as well uh so as far as the partnership with heels charlotte it's just uh it's essentially us just doing our part to to attack the homelessness uh issue in, in charlotte and you, you see it it's rampant around the entire city and so heels charlotte does an amazing job of you know housing families who are, are house insecure and, and, and need a little bit of help in, in transition uh, and currently working on a capital campaign to raise funds to purchase a hotel to make to expand their abilities to, to house even more families and make it a campus where we can have educational resources and and have offices for Heal Charlotte and, and all types of resources for these families to, to continue their transition uh, and hopefully you know get them on more stable ground and so I mean, I'm, I joined the board with Heal Charlotte, so, uh, we've, I've been learning a lot and, and really getting involved a lot with a lot of the campaigns and issues that they have going on and, and, and the work's going to continue. Fantastic. And tell me a bit about your capacity as, as a board member. Is it strictly a board member or is it a specific role within the board? 
So I don't have a specific role in the board. It's basically just coming on and doing what I've been doing uh, before, you know, building some of the relationships with, you know, with the Charlotte Independence and with other, you know, local athletes or, or people and, and bringing in just raising awareness, raising money and, and helping, you know, just using the, the skills that I have um, in terms of the business world, just trying to help translate that over into uh, the Hill Charlotte organization to, to benefit them. And of course, you know, Greg Jackson, the founder of Heal Charlotte, you know, anytime you speak with him, obviously it, it seems like this symbiotic relationship of you're singing you know, the, his praises with Heal Charlotte and he's singing your praises for the work that you've done over the last several months and continuing to see people getting involved and helping them raise the 10 million for that capital campaign. So like you said, they can address the very, very deep systemic issues when it comes to housing insecurities in the city of Charlotte. And you know, not to not we're going to deviate a little bit in terms of I can see, you know, what you're wearing in this interview is a prime focus goalkeeping shirt, of course. Yes, and yes. you mentioned that is your brand. So tell me a bit about the work that goes on during the off season and even in season for that matter of building a brand. It's just, it's one, it's, it's massive time management. Uh, cause if, you know, being an entrepreneur and running my own business, right? Everyone else gets the opportunity to wait. Maybe they wake up at six or seven, eight a.m. and go, go straight to work. Well, in season, I have to go straight to practice. And so, you know, I lose a bit of time, uh, in the mornings in terms of working on the business. And so in the off season, I, I try to take advantage of that time as much as possible. You know, waking up at six, six or seven, getting straight to work and, you know, building out building out the the brand in terms of uh expanding where our products are available um building the partnerships we just announced in a part a partnership with fall river marksman uh up in the boston area and that which we're excited about i think that can that can lead to we have a lot of cool things planned with them and that can lead to uh, more partnerships with with a few more clubs but we've we've worked with a couple you know local schools local youth clubs and so just building out those relationships to help uh expand the brand's awareness uh, and then just the business side of things just you know taking care of the finances and and working on the marketing and uh we expanded to amazon and then and if anyone who knows anything about amazon it's a competitive marketplace so you kind of have to stay on that um as much as possible to to really gain the leverage that you want on that platform so it's been an, it's been a lot of work but it's been exciting because it's something that i enjoy doing it's something i'm passionate about and uh, you know, it's something I've been able to build for the past four years, so I want to continue this growth. What was kind of the uh, the legacy, if you will, or the the aha moment that Prime Focus Goalkeeping was something that you wanted to start? Uh, it was back in 2016 when I realized that, you know, I was thinking about I have a business degree, a marketing degree, and I wasn't really using it um, as much as I wanted to, and I've always wanted to build something myself and you know, signed with a, a glove brand that I didn't feel like was marketing me the way I wanted them to. So it all just came together where I just was like, hey, why don't you just do this yourself? And so I did a little bit of research, figured out I can manufacture gloves um, and, you know, I could start a business. It's pretty easy to start an LLC. So, um, you know, it was a, a little naive start, but it's, it's I've, I've had some growing pains, but I've definitely a lot and, and the business has grown a lot. So it's, it's definitely something I'm, I'm excited about moving forward. And of course, manufacturing gloves, of course, people, when they, they hear that, they think, how do you even do that? How, how does that even start? So what goes into that process? 
just Googling manufacturers and then just, um, I mean, I had some help with, I spoke to some people who had been involved in, in the business before and they gave me some contacts and some ideas on, on who to reach out to and, you know, just getting ideas on sourcing and, and figuring out who can give me the best products that I can feel, I can feel confident and I can feel confident selling to, to customers. So, uh, it takes a bit of time, but it, it's like any business. If you do the research and you find the right people to work with, it can be successful. And we can't wait to see what 2021 has in store for you, but we're going to deviate once again and talk a bit about the Black Players Alliance. And of course, when you look at the members who are kind of at the forefront, it's yourself, Hugh Roberts, teammate with the Independents, as well as Aaron Mond, another fellow 2020 teammate who's heavily involved in a number of other players, but Walk me through the genesis of how the Black Players Alliance emerged, and we can go from there. Uh, it was really just started on uh, one of Hugh's podcasts on Backyard Footy. Uh, he, he brought together a number of professional black soccer players, whether it's USL, MLS, international. We all hopped on a call and just kind of vented, shared our experiences um, in the game of soccer, in the game of soccer and outside, just in, in the world. I think it was a necessary, necessary time to do that. I mean, I knew, I know myself, I had, I had just like mixed feelings about everything that was going on. And I, it's one of those things where you think like you're alone and then you hop on a call like that and everyone's sharing the same experiences. And like, it was literally like one guy would say one thing and, and it's like, yeah, I, 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 I had that. And then the next person, the next person, everyone's sharing the same, you know, similar, similar experiences and similar feelings. And that's when we realized like, oh, we're, we're all going through this together. We don't need to be alone when we're doing it. And so we had one call and that turned into two calls. And then we, we realized, hey, maybe we should, you know, start reaching out to more players in our league and see like how they're feeling. And then the conversations just flowed from there. And then once the, the MLS players, um, the black players were changed in, in MLS, they announced their group was forming. And then we, Hugh and I were just like, yeah, we, we might as well do this for USL. We have to do this for USL. So, uh, it took a, it took a number of weeks, a number of months, a lot of work for us, uh, in terms of just connecting everybody, getting everybody on the same page, understanding the mission and making sure everybody was behind it. And then, uh, we just launched and, and it's, it's grown from there. Uh, we built partnerships, uh, are exciting. We've got more exciting partnerships coming up. We're working on a few things with, with the league. Um, that we're excited about. So there's definitely a lot of things that we're, we're, we're working on right now. Haven't quite yet been announced, but I think a lot of things are coming. What was the process of introducing the concept like to the league? Was it something where it's a matter of, okay, you take it to the president or there are different channels of, of going through? What was that process like? Uh, I think it was more so the, the league was, was kind of ready and willing to hear from us, um, especially like in, in the moment that we're in, in the United States with, with social justice. And you see a lot of the issues that are going on around the country, um, that we're not impervious to those, you know, like with the, the league, just because we play soccer doesn't mean we, we don't experience the same or similar things that, that many of our other, other American, um, you know, compatriots, they experience. So it's like, the league knew where we were at, um, and they were pretty pretty willing to to talk to us and and see where we're at and what we want and and work with us and see how we can work together to build something better for for our group, for our league, and for all the individual clubs. So, um, you know, we had we had we've had a couple of meetings with with uh, President Edwards 
uh, and he's been pretty receptive to, to what we're trying to accomplish. And so we're just looking forward to continuing those conversations. When was the official launch? When was the official launch? Yeah. Uh, back in August, I believe. I'm not 100% sure on the date. I, I remember it was pretty rushed because um, we... I, I don't exactly remember what exactly happened, but I remember it, we basically just like put together the Twitter, Instagram, everything in like, uh, in like 24 hours, um, and launched everything because we just wanted, we wanted to get it out there. We'd, we'd been having meeting after meeting and then, and we just felt like it was time to just get it out there, um, and start growing from there. Yeah, of course, there are teammates who are involved in kind of the, the leadership and the initial organization process. But when it came to deciding you know, who else you wanted to be involved, how did that process end up kind of matriculating out? Was it a matter of people reaching out and saying, hey, you know, I want to be part of the executive committee or how, how did all that transpire? Yeah, I mean, we had well, we had a couple of votes, but originally in the beginning, it was more so just guys who wanted to step up. Uh, and you kind of, that's, it's kind of a natural thing. If you have a call with, you know, 50 people, you notice the guys who are, who are, um, engaging more often, who are, uh, joining in the conversation and, and adding points and, and really kind of leading the conversation. So you notice those things and those are the people that typically step up and say, Hey, I want to be a part of, you know, this leadership group or I want to help grow this, this thing beyond just being a member of it. And so, uh, that was a little bit, that was mainly how we, we developed our, our board of directors and an executive committee. We did have a vote for, um, for our executive committee just to make sure like the, the guys, all the members of the group, all 100 members were supportive of the, the main guys who were, who were leading the group. But uh, like we've always said, I mean, the groups are everyone. Um, you know, whether it's the executive committee, the board of directors or, or, or members of the group, everyone has a voice and everyone is helping to lead our group towards the positive change that we want. When you look at, you know, like you said, it was kind of a lot like much of 2020. There were unexpected moments that really led to you know, the, the catapult for, hey, this needs to happen now. The Black Players Alliance is needed now. And you've been in the league for a number of years. Have there ever been conversations that could have led to something like this? Or was it just kind of like you know, 2020 was the spark that led to, all right, this, this has to be here. This has to be now, you know, player, players need a voice. Yeah. I wouldn't say I've, I personally have never heard of any conversations, um, surrounding anything like this before. Um, and I, I've been in the league for nine years and I, I, I won't say I've been as tapped into, you know, the, the social justice piece, um, and especially in the beginning of my career. Uh, but I guess over the past few years, it's been something I've been, more vocal about and, and more interested in being a part of. And so, uh, in the, in the past, it's, it's, it's one of those things I've had conversations with people is I feel like a lot of people tend to work on their own. Um, and I feel like that's how it was in the league where you had guys doing their own things where, where now we're trying to, we're not saying guys can't work on their own, but we want to be able to support that with say, I'm doing something. I've got a hundred, you know, BPA members behind me who support what I'm doing and, and we have a larger voice and a larger collective um, to to kind of stream that out to the to the masses and so it's it's one of those things where we just want to bring together as many like-minded uh, players who want to really affect change locally and nationally and I think that the more that we do that the greater our impact will be. You mentioned 100 players thus far what's the process for becoming a member of the BPA? 
Uh, we just have we just have an intake form just to get players information so we can keep you updated. Like we've got a lot of like next week we've got our professional develop another installment of our professional development series. So we like to keep guys updated on what's going on and what what uh, opportunities we have for them because it's just like we want to make an impact in our communities. We want to make an impact on each individual member. Like we want to provide them the resources uh, to to excel on the field and off the field and, and some of the stuff that we're developing off the field. I think can be really beneficial. So. Uh, you know, we've got like email groups and things like that just to, to make sure guys stay up to date with everything that's going on. As you look at 2021, and I know we've still got a couple of weeks left here, but as you look at you know, the vision for the BPA in 2021, what does that look like? Are there you know, certain targeted goals along, you know, something that you say, hey, we want this to be met by March or by the start of the season or by preseason or by June or by the end of 2021? Is there anything like that in the works? Yeah, I mean, I would say just we don't have firm dates on things, but, to, you know, once we figure out when the season is going to start, you know, the, I think we can get more uh, detailed with that. But we do want to have a lot of the diversity training um, set in place and we want to have those protocols set in place before the season starts so that we can get each player, each club each staff member, uh, the proper resources that they need so that we don't, you know, have to deal with, hopefully not deal with a lot of the incidents that we had to deal with this season. Uh, so that's, that's one of our main targets. I mean, we've got little targets where we want to, we have certain events that we want to put on or we have certain partnerships that we want to roll out and get things going in terms of the content or the, the merchandise or things like that that we're going to put together. Uh, so though we don't have firm dates for those things, but we do have, you know, a list of five things that we definitely want to get done in the next three to four months. Now, over the last several months, what have been some of the, the biggest changes that you've seen? Or is it still a matter of, all right, it's in the, the incubation phase and just getting it off the ground in and of itself? Is that that was all that needed to be done for 2020? Changes within the BPA? Or the, the impact that the BPA has had thus far? I think it's just... A lot of it's awareness right now um, is, is getting people to understand what we're about and why we exactly we want to have change. I think you even see like l- l- incidents like yesterday, Champions League, PSG's Champions League game. Like those are those are things that those are reasons why we want to be impactful in our community because we want people to understand why situations like that uh, aren't acceptable, right? And we don't we don't want that in our league and we don't want that in any other league. Right. So now we want to continue to raise awareness. I think that's what we've been able to do, um, because I think a lot of times in in moments, you know, where there's 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 social unrest or civil unrest. A lot of times it, 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 it boils up for two to three months and then it kind of dies off. And, you know, we go it's, just, it's it's cyclical and we don't want it to be cyclical anymore. We want to, you know, stem the tide of it. Essentially, we want to make it so we don't have to continue to to protest we don't have to continue to to you know shout to the rooftops about about social injustice racial injustice we want it to be normalized that you know there's there's equity there's equity amongst everyone and and that starts in our league that starts with us as players and and it's got to start in our league and we mentioned providing clubs with you know, different materials toward the at the eventual start of the season, whenever it may be. What does that look like? Uh, that's a good question. We still have to. Uh, I know the the league announced their partnership with an organization that does a lot of the diversity training, and we're we're going to work with them to develop programs and and, and be able to give resources to. 
uh, individual players and clubs to in order to understand you know, what the protocols are, what's acceptable, what's not. And so that we are still working on of uh, all the details on yet. Fantastic. And goodness knows, you know, we, we will keep our eyes on the BPA and obviously you'll be harassed by me quite a bit as things continue to go along and just checking in about, you know, what the, the progress looks like on so many fronts because you have a lot going on and kudos on your time management because goodness knows it, it seems like the, uh, the task of 2020 is how much can you put on the plate and how do you keep it all on the plate and you're doing it fabulously. So I can't wait to see how everything continues to develop for you over the next couple of weeks leading into 2021 and throughout the rest of the year as well but that being said if you were to boil down you, you mentioned wanting people to really understand what the mission of the bpa is if it was not so much an elevator pitch but if you were to just say all right i've got a couple of sentences to explain it to someone who's never heard of it before how would you do that we just want equity we want uh the players and players in our league to be represented e- equally uh, amongst, you know, front offices, coaching staff, the, the, the power positions within our league. We just want equity so that everyone can have a fair representation. Uh, because right now I just don't think that, that we have that. And our mission is to, is to, you know, push for equity in, in all of those in power positions within, within the league, within individual clubs, because I think it's necessary for the, for the representation. Would it be something, I know that throughout the last several months, the kind of key example that has been brought forward has been what New Mexico United did in terms of creating the fellowship through their Somos Unidos Foundation for tackling exactly that opportunities for people of color as well as for women to gain access to front office positions and coaching positions within not only USL championship, but, you know, within the game as a whole. Is it something along those lines or perhaps programs like that would be perhaps something that's encouraged among other clubs throughout the league? Yeah, exactly. I mean, we've had, I've had a number of conversations with, um, you know, people affiliated with New Mexico who are, who have intimate knowledge of, of their program. And, and that's something that we're going to, you know, continue to look at, um, you know, look at their framework and what they're doing and, and see how we can push to have something like that implemented around the league. Uh, because it's, it's a massive first step and it's, a, it's something that's needed we can, you know, push for diversity. And then, like you said, it's not just, you know, blackface. It's, we want to see minorities of all colors. We want to see women in, in, in more key positions. And then you can see that the growth um, throughout the country and in every sport in, in this aspect. But there's also, there, it, we want it to be faster and we want it to be uh, a larger, larger numbers, right? Because there's still, you, you look at certain leagues and there's still, there's still key issues and, and key areas that, that need to be addressed. And I think there, there are those key issues in the, in the USL as well that need to be addressed. When you speak to key issues, do you mean specifically the lack of diversity and not to, I feel like sometimes it can get kind of like the, oh, that's diversity and inclusion, but for lack of a better way to describe it, is it specifically diversity and inclusion that is missing from those spaces throughout the league? Oh, uh, yeah. 
Absolutely. I mean, you can start with the USO website. It's, it's nothing different that I, that I didn't tell President Edwards when we had our meeting. You know, you go to the USO website, you look at the executives that are listed on their website. The percentages are low for minorities and it's, and in 2020, it, I feel like it's, it's something that's, that needs to be addressed. It absolutely needs to be addressed. Um, because they're, of that representation in, in, in those, those key positions. We don't have the decisions. We don't have the voices. We don't have the, the representation that's needed to truly reflect the league that, that is, you know, a large portion majority or minority, excuse me. So, um, that, that, those are some of the issues. And it's not just the league office, right? You can look and we had, I, we've had conversations with plenty of our members, uh, in, in the BPA and ask them, you know, what do your front offices look like? And too often it's, it's, you know, we don't, see, we don't see very many minority faces. And so that's the feedback we've gotten, uh, from individuals. And we've had those conversations with the league. And so those are, those are some of the areas that we hope are addressed very soon. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's a matter of pushback because, like you said, you go to just about any website, whether it's club or for the headquarters of the league itself, and it's, I mean, to put it bluntly, it's a bunch of white guy faces. Um, but is that something that you think it's it's the norm and it's just comfortable and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, so-and-so knows this candidate, who knows this candidate, who knows this candidate, and it's almost like an inadvertent just pipeline that that has continued to be fed and feel like oh well there just aren't other candidates out there and clearly as um like you mentioned on Hugh Roberts podcast backyard footy that is not the case there are plenty of qualified black coaches leaders at the the front office level who for whatever reason aren't given these opportunities is it a matter of kind of just making sure the light switch has been flipped on or is it you've just been willfully and when I say you, I mean front offices across the league as well as upper leadership within the league itself. You've just been willfully blind to this for too many years. Yeah, I mean, it's conscious and unconscious. I mean, there's, there's plenty of people, like you said, it's just comfortable, right? Uh, it's, I'm comfortable with the people that I know and typically the people I know that are around me look like me, right? And so then those are the people I'm going to bring into my circles. Uh, and when I'm hiring a position at, at a league office, that's who I'm going to hire. But, um, you know, that can't be the norm anymore. That can't be, that can't be what's, ex- what's accepted anymore because again, it's just all about representation. I, I'm not properly being represented in the league office if, if people who look like me, people who go through the same, uh, experiences as me, who, who, who better understand how I feel as a black man in America. Uh, aren't represented in those rooms. Uh, you just can't make those decisions without, uh, without representation in the room. And so, uh, unconsciously, I mean, you know, people are, 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 they go with what they're comfortable with. And consciously, I mean, I hope it's not, you would hope that it's not a conscious decision in, in 2020 to, to, to willfully, uh, decide to not have any diversity in your front office. And I won't say that the, I don't know, I don't know many front offices intimately other than the Charlotte Independence. And so I can't, I can't comment on any other clubs front office other than what I've heard from, from members of our organization. Now I have to ask, and this may be something that's in the back of your mind, or this may be something that's like, no, this is something I think about on a daily basis. But at some point, once, unfortunately, even for, for people, you know, Paul Maldini, or someone like Ryan Giggs, you know, who played until their 40s, and if you play into your 40s, then more power to you. But is 
something along the lines of coaching or front office leadership, something that once you know the the playing side reaches it runs its course, is that something that you'd be interested in? Sorry, I missed the last part of that question. Oh, darn technology. But is uh, playing or, pardon me, not playing, is coaching, once playing has reached its conclusion or front office leadership, is that something that you would be interested in? Uh, the coaching side, no. I have no interest in coaching. But I do, uh, from a business perspective, I do uh, have interest in, in stepping into either a front office role or a league position. Uh, it just depends. I, you know, there's a lot of things going on off the field and uh, I've been able to, to, oh, I've been, my eyes have been open to a lot of different avenues. And so it's, it's definitely something I'm in. I mean, I'm heading into my 10th season. I'm, you know, not ignorant to the fact that at some point I'm going to have to step off the field and into, into the business world. And I think, it's it's those are those are roles that I'd be interested in in pursuing something in, in a front office or or in a league office role. Now I have to ask, heading into ten years, you know, there are some players who obviously don't even make it to the professional level, and then there are some who are like, all right, been in for a season, it didn't pan out, or some who you know they have a good two to ten ten year run, but I mean, ten years, that's a decade, that's a milestone. So one, congratulations, and two, what have you done over the last decade or perhaps even more recently to, you know, really fuel your game and help you reach this milestone? Uh, well, one, thank you. Uh, it's, it's, it has been a long journey, but it's mainly just persistency. Uh, I thought, I've thought about retiring three or four different times. Uh, and so it's just a, a little bit of, uh, I guess a little bit of my ego just still wanting to prove, you know, my talent, my, my abilities and, and then just persistency, consistency and when wanting to just continue to get better. That's, that's where I'm at right now is like, you know, I've, I've, you know, I've, I've done a decent uh, number of things in this league. I've won a championship, I've, you know, won individual awards, things like that. And so, uh, at this point, it's just about bettering myself and, and continuing to, to, you know, top what, so that's that's kind of where I'm at right now. That's what drives me now. Like you said, you, you've won everything there is to win in this league. But is there kind of that elusive, I'm sure, I mean, for, for every player, I'd be lying if I couldn't speak from experience on that. But you, you want just just one more, just just one more on the horizon. You're like, this is going to be the season. Just, just one more, and then maybe I'll consider hanging up the boots. But is that kind of in the back of your mind as well? Oh, I, I, I absolutely want to win another championship. Um, and so that's, that's always going to be the goal. And I feel like if, if I continue to improve the way I, I have over the, the past couple of years, I mean, I believe I, I can be a goalkeeper that can compete at a championship level. Uh, I, you know, being a leader on a team is, is, it entails, you know, bringing your teammates along with you, raising them to, to your level. And so if I, if I reach the, the heights that I believe I can, I know I can bring my teammates with me and we can, we can reach a level that, that's championship caliber. So, uh, it's, it's, that's definitely in the back of my mind. Um, but I just focus every single day on just, just the individual needs in terms of improving and, and that'll help me get to where I need to go. Well, you know that, of course, you're, you're returning for 2021 with the independence. At least that is the current plan, unless I'm mistaken. 
we uh you can never be too sure about what's what the, what the future holds like i said i'm I'm just focusing on you know the the end of 2020 and and focusing on what i can do to improve on and off the field uh for the next few weeks well wherever your career takes you you certainly know that uh, somewhere right around the corner i will be bugging you with 30,000 questions so Absolutely. We certainly appreciate, you know, everything that you are doing in the community. And it is always a pleasure having you on the Sports Charlotte podcast. So tell me, as with every ending of our podcast, how can people reach out, find out more about the work that you're doing, as well as with Prime Focus Goalkeeping? Uh, I'm pretty easy to find. Uh, Media DVO 26 um, or, or at Prime Focus GK. Uh, you can just you can reach out. We have the website www.primefocusgoalkeeping.com. Um, you can contact us through there. I uh, got the YouTube channel and, and the blog and, and the podcast. So just leaving comments on any of those or, or questions or, or emailing us. Like I see it all, so I respond to as much as I can. Fantastic. Well, as always, Brandon, thank you so much for joining us. So make sure all of you fabulous listeners head over, check out everything that he's got going on and then some. And until next time, make sure that you head over to the charlottepost.com. And whenever you're listening to this, we just celebrated our 50th newsletter for QCFC, Queen City Football Chronicle. The fabulous. Congratulations. Thank you. It's, it's amazing to think about, you know, we talked about starting a newsletter to extend the work that we've been doing with our soccer-specific coverage back in January. And now we're like, well, we've done this 50 times. Yeah. Dang, I guess it's stuck. I guess for some, for some reason, people are still reading it. People are still subscribing to it. So make sure that if you have not joined our fabulous QCFC Tuesday morning 7 a.m. family, head over to the charlottepost.com. You can click on any QCFC story. There will be a link that will lead you to subscribe to the newsletter and make sure that, you know, you check out everything else that's going on on the charlottepost.com because there's a lot of fabulous content and we are in print every Thursday. So that means the next edition is December 10th. If you're listening to this after that, well, you can check it out at the charlottepostnewspaper.com. That is where digital subscribers can read any edition they want because that's the beautiful thing about the digital world. It's all archived on there. But until next time, I am your host, Ashlyn Honey. Thank you for joining us.